about money will determine how we behave with money. Did you hear that? Did you hear that online? What you believe about money will determine how you behave with money. So we need to first address our thinking, our belief system about what money is. So I want to pause for a second because some of you may be new and some of you may be like just checking out church. Maybe on, a lot of times online, I'll check them out online before you come in, per, in person, right? It's less threatening, which is great. But I want to pause because I don't want you to think that this is like, okay, pastor, you're not my financial advisor. What, wh- where are your motives in this? Like, where are you going to go in this? This isn't our ploy. This isn't like, hey, guys, uh, we're hurting financially. Let's do a series on money to get more money. This isn't us at all. That's not what we are doing here. So you can just let the shoulders come down and go, okay. We'll do our, our normal offering stuff at the end, but this isn't like a special, like, hey guys, we have a fundraising campaign. That is not what this is. What we know to be true is that the issue of money is huge. And you know that. Money is a significant part of our lives, and we need to address it. God cares about the issue of money. And like many things, right, money is not inherently bad. It's not necessarily good. It's, you know, morally neutral. It's immoral. But it is something that is so important in our lives, and it can cause enormous problems when we don't use it right. And you know that. If you do some research, you'll find that money is one of the top causes for divorce. The divorce rate keeps climbing, and money is, is one of the root causes of that. It's one of the root causes of stress and anxiety. Like you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, it's like, um, am I going to get laid off? I'm going to get fired? A lot of people were. So it's like, what, what do I do with my money, my finances? Like, and it's stress and anxiety and worry. And that can cripple your faith, by the way. That can affect your faith, by the way. It's a huge issue. It should be talked about in the church. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't remain silent about it. It's so, so important. And you know this is true. Money drives our culture. It drives our lives. Many of us will be clocking in after a weekend tomorrow, right? I work on Sunday, so there you go. But a lot of you will be going back to work tomorrow. It is such an important thing. As a matter of fact, we define success in our Western culture by having and obtaining money and as quickly as possible. In fact, we value people who have the most amount of money. Think about it. Millennials, you scrolling through your feed, man, they must have a lot of money. How do they get to travel like that? I'm jealous too, those jerks. Like, come on, take me with you. But we look at them and we think we're losers because we don't have enough money to do that. And it's just like this constant race and constant pursuit of our lives to go get the most amount of money that we can. We value it. It is so important to address in the church. How you think about money matters. It is significant. And I know and I just want to address that there are some misconceptions that society has offered us that a lot of times, even subconsciously, we are believing and living out without even thought. There's these misconceptions. The first one is as a church, as Christians, as Jesus followers, is we still tend to think that money isn't a spiritual issue. Money is absolutely a spiritual issue. It's a faith issue. How you deal with your money 
reveals, reflects your heart and your trust on God. It is a spiritual issue. We seem to do this. We have our, our faith bucket over here. And granted, like, you know, that's the majority of my life, right? Like, I'm a pastor, so I have my small group. I preach on a Sunday. I have my church friends. I pray. I talk to God. I read my Bible. But day to day, if I'm being really honest, like, my money is in the bucket over here where I have control. It's my, you know, it's my separate thing. So God, don't, don't touch that, <laughs> right? Because I know, because I've prayed and, and you didn't give me more money even though I was asking. And so I'm just going to take control of that thing and it's over here. Even, and here's the thing too, like most of us Jesus followers, we would say we want God to improve our lives. We want to open our hearts and our lives to God, except for our wallets. Sad but true. It's just true, right? And so whether we're following God or we're really skeptical of him, uh, this issue of money, it's personal, so kind of don't go there, and it's a touchy subject. Don't tell me what to do with my money. But we don't allow God to speak into our wallet, into our budget, we just want him to talk about our career and our job and our direction and our significant other and our kids and so forth. But money is so much of a spiritual issue. It's more of a spiritual issue than coming to church on Sunday. It speaks into every hour of your every day and how you run your life. Another misconception, money is everything. Right, Money is everything. It is everything in life. It is the end all, be all of life. This is my pursuit. I need to chase money. And I, I struggle with this, you guys, because you know, I'm a pastor. Like, I could have continued in finance and made more money. Like, you know, it's a thing. But it, it is. And at the root of it, we can think like, and we can know, we can acknowledge, we can find that we all have these human needs of safety security, and significance. But the crazy thing is, we tried to get those needs met through a temporary solution like money instead of getting those needs met by the one who created us, the only one that could meet those needs. But instead, we're chasing money to meet those needs in our lives, so much so that money can become our God. And that might sound harsh, so let me say it a different way. Money can become the strongest idol in your life that takes up space in your heart and in your mind where God belongs. He can do that. He, it, that happens with me. That happens with you. I know it does because we're all human. And the important thing is, like, when we look at money to fulfill those needs of safety and security and significance, we set ourselves up for failure and disappointment instead of depending upon God to do it. And I know this, and I know you've, a lot of you church folks have heard about this because this concept of pursuit and, cha and chasing down a race towards getting more money isn't, you know, it is in the church too, especially in our Western culture, in our production mode, success-driven culture. You see all over America where churches are pursuing and encouraging this thing called the prosperity doctrine. Can I speak out against that? Like, it is wrong. The prosperity, if you're not familiar with that, that, this is what the prosperity doctrine is. It's basically, if you have enough faith, you're gonna be healed. 
If you have enough faith, that miracle is going to happen. And if you have enough faith, your bank is going to go up. You're going to get that car. You're going to get that house. But you have to have enough faith. It is dangerous. It obligates God to perform for you. It is dangerous. And if you go to a church that says that, run for the hills. So, so dangerous. We constantly put money on this pedestal where it does not belong instead of putting the king of kings where he belongs in our life. Money is not everything. And then the last misconception that I see so much is on the very opposite polar end is that money is nothing. Like, I know couples, and I know it's usually one of the, cup, one of the people in the relationship. I don't want to talk about money. I don't want to deal with it. Let's not talk about budget in our household. And we set ourselves up for failure because we're negligent and we dismiss the issue of finance. We, I even know some people who are like, I control, the, I control all the finances. You're not to ask questions about that. I'll give you a little here and there. <laughs> and it becomes this thing. And there's a large part of our society who has this woe is me mentality, what I call the Eeyore effect. Well, I'm just going to be poor for the rest of my life. Let's go to the church together and be poor and hold hands. Not during COVID. <laughs> but it's like this woe is me depressing mentality of like, it's Eeyore. Like, come on, folks. That is not the reality that we live in. And in the church, the opposite of the prosperity doctrine is the poverty doctrine, right? It's this woe is me mentality of like, I'm never going to do that. So it causes us to depend on people and government and things like that. It's not a political statement, by the way. But the reality is we, we then like, I'm going to live in my basement, my mom's basement, and just she'll, I'll live off of her and we're not productive and responsible and good stewards with what God has entrusted us, entrusted us to earn and to manage well. Money is not everything. Money is a spiritual issue. And money is not nothing. Money is something. It's a tool. It's a resource. And it's a good one. It's a good tool. It's a very good resource that God has given us. But we've learned that money is something that we could use or it could use us, right? It can control the way we live or we can control it. And God gives us the resources to, to manage it well. Today we're going to look at Matthew 25 and we're going to read a lot of scripture. I encourage you to take out your Bible and read it along with me. We're going to look at a parable. One of the words I'm going to use is steward, stewardship. And if you look up that word, it just means to supervise or take great care of something. To steward something is to take great care of something that's been given to you like a resource. We know that what we believe about money will determine how you behave with money. And so by that, we look at the word of God. And in Matthew 24, starting in verse 14, is what's known as a parable. And if you're new to the Bible, a parable is a story to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. If you look up the definition, that's what you're going to find. And the amazing thing about Jesus is he spoke often in parables, in these stories. And he did so to clearly illustrate a spiritual truth about him and knowing him and how to live as if you know him. And he speaks about the issue of money. It's called the parable of the talent. 
And I'm going to read this thing through, 14 all the way to verse 30. And I want you to read it through me. The other word I just want to describe real quick is talent. When you think of talent, you're like, dude, you can jump really high. You're talented. I cannot jump that high, so I'm not, whatever. But talent isn't necessarily like a physical ability. It could speak to that, but that's not what this is talking about. Talent is from a Greek word, the talenton, which basically means a sum of money. So when we're reading this and you see talent, a sum of money is what that is. So read along with me, and if you're at home, you can uh, pull out your Bible as well and read Matthew 24, 14 through 30. Here we go. It says this. Jesus says, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, sums of money. To another he gave two, and then to another, a third one, he gave one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he had ten. Verse 17. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went, and he dug, in the, uh, he dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents? Here, I've made five more for you. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. And I will uh, set much over you, set you over much. Enter into my joy as your master. Verse 22. And he also, who had uh, two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I had made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You, uh, yep, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into my joy the joy of your master. He also, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a, a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, listen to this, you wicked and slothful servant. Dang, that hurts. <laughs> You knew that I reap where I uh, have not sown and gather where, uh, scatter, where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So, take the talent from, so he took the talent from him and gave it to him uh, to, to who had the ten talents. Listen to this, verse 29. This is important. For to everyone who has will, be more, will more be given. And he will have an abundance from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. Ugh. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, so you read through this and you see that the three, uh, the three servants, the three bond servants, the three employees, what they did with what was given to them. In the first two, they took their talents, they took their sum of money, and number one, they just, they did something with it. They did something productive with what they were given, and they did something wise. And I love the response of the employee, the response of the master. He comes back and he says, 
good and faithful servant. He calls them a good and faithful servant. He gives them increased responsibility and says, okay, now celebrate. Take joy in me and what has happened here because you did good. You did well. And for the third servant who just buried it in the dirt, he was afraid. He didn't know what to do. And so he let his fear dictate his behavior. And he got nothing. Nothing. He got nothing. He stewarded poorly. And through this parable, through this story, and through the many other scriptures that speak about possessions and wealth and money throughout all of the scriptures, the New Testament and the Old we begin to believe differently when we study them. We be begin to believe differently about money. And God starts reorienting our hearts and our minds to care about what he cares. He creates in us a more generous heart and a more generous way of living. We, t we learn certain things. The first thing we learn is that everything I have belongs to God, not me. Everything I have belongs to God. All three servants knew that what they had been given wasn't theirs. Even the third one, third one, he just didn't do anything good with it. But all of them knew, like, this is yours. And even the third one, give it, but here's what's yours. But because the first two took a greater responsibility, they went to a new level and said, because I've been entrusted with this, I'm going to do something wise with it. I know that this isn't mine. This belongs to someone else. And I know that's a stretch for a lot of us, right? A lot of us are like, I earn this money, so I get to determine where it goes. You do. You do. And we can claim everything that is ours. But let me tell you, we serve an eternal God, not a temporal one. And we, when we use temporary things, like your wallet's not going with you when you die. It will stay here, <laughs> you know. But it will have forever effects, and we need to realize, we need to remember that everything you have, everything from your relationships to your car to your home to your money, everything belongs to God. Money is one of the most powerful tools God can use to reshape our lives and our hearts and our faith. He can use it to turn our hearts into just create in us a generous, loving, compassionate person. God can use it, but we need to realize that it's his resource, not ours. Now, this isn't where I say, okay, I got him convinced now, so we are going to start a message on tithing now. Like, we're going to, this isn't a message on tithing. Tithing isn't even about giving money to your church. Did you know that? Like, the, that's, the, maybe that's the action, but it's not about that. It's about acknowledging, like, I need to trust God. I need a generous heart. This is something that I can do practically to create in me a trusting dependence upon my creator. It's putting him as Lord of my life and say, I'm going to trust you with what I have been giving, what I've earned, and I'm going to give it back to you because it is yours. Going to support your local church, your charities that you support, amazing. We support an organization in upstate New York. Like, they're amazing ministry. God's using them. We support people, someone in Thailand. We support this church. Like, we want to give God what is already 
his. It's important that we trust God and allow him to reshape our heart to be more generous. This is what we learn when we read this parable, when we read these scriptures. Something else that we learn is that God wants us to manage money wisely. I mean, it's so obvious in this parable, right? It's so obvious in Jesus' words. He's giving this illustration, this story of when you manage money well, good things happen. Like, you will reap that. It's not karma. It's a law of reciprocity in the design of what God has set up and ordered in our world. But you will reap that. You know, money is mentioned, specifically currency, money is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture. And then possessions and wealth and resources are mentioned over 3,000 times throughout the Old and New Testament. Like, that's significant. God cares about what we do with it. He really, really does. He cares about how we manage our money, how we invest our money, how we throw away money. He cares about all those little things. And this parable stresses that significance, stresses that importance. The, the guy who got five uh, talents and the guy who got two, they managed it well. They did well. And because of that, they reaped the reward and the joy and the generous heart that was the reward of them having wisdom in managing money well. And I'm just going to say this because... It's so true, and I've seen this in my heart and in my life, and my wife and I, we're not perfect financially, but we do know that how we spend money reveals our faith. It reveals where we're at, what our hearts are at in the moment. It really, really does. Like, if you look at your bank transactions, what would it say about you? Mine says that I'm an incredibly addicted coffee person. That's what mine says. I just want to confess that and ask for your prayer. It's a lot of money. My wife loves that. But it's true. Like, you, I'm not, it's not even a joke, man. I, like, I drink a lot of coffee here. You can tell I've already had one of those. That's water now. Like, it's just true. But, like, we spend money on certain things and we neglect others. And, and so we say, hey, I don't have money to buy a house, but yet we're going out to eat every night. And it's just mismanaged, right? It's not wise living. There was a real story of a couple recently who wanted it so badly to a young couple, buy a home. And they make good money. Like, they, there's no reason why they couldn't, but they couldn't figure out why they couldn't afford it. They couldn't save enough to do it. And so they met with a financial advisor, and they sat down and met with them, and, and the guy goes, like, well, listen, you're spending $1,300 a month on going out to eat, and you're spending this on this and this on this, and through tweaking and reducing and finding creative ways to have date nights and things like that, they were able to fix that and to save money and then to buy a home. Like it's wisdom through the Bible. People who say the Bible is not relevant today, I'm like, bro, you're not reading it. Like you're really not. Maybe not bro, but you're not reading it. It's just true. It's so relevant, so practical in our day-to-day lives. It's ridiculous that we're not going to it and getting that truth and allowing God to use it. Connect Group starts soon, as Pastor Jesse is talking about. We'll be talking about it every week until June, and we're excited for it, because if you've been here for a while, you know our church is built on weekends, but but really, Connect Groups, getting engaged and plugged in. One of those is FPU, Financial Peace University. My wife and I have used the practices of that, both in our business and in our personal, like the snowball and, you know, all these amazing concepts. They're biblical. They're biblical concepts. 
And uh, I have a financial advisor through a Christian organization called Thrivent. They're awesome. I have materials out there. And um, by the way, they're not paying me to say these things, FPU or Thrivent. I wish they would. And if you guys want to, you can email me at scott.gracesd.com. I'll take the tip. But I have no, like, they're not, I'm not benefiting by saying that. I just, like, these are free resources, guys. Let's use them. Let's use them. Manage our money wisely. God will use that to create in us an amazing, generous heart. We know when we do manage money wisely, when I, I invest in things that actually matter, right? I'm able to, you know, be rewarded by God because I'm responsible with my finances. I budget wisely. I don't spend what I don't have and it, I know that that affects my faith, so I trust God more, and I'm more generous, and I'm more responsible, and I, I manage these things well. And the last thing I want you to see through this parable and through the other library of scriptures is that how we manage money matters forever. They manage, they matter forever. It's not just temporal, it's eternal. You think of the legacy that people leave to their loved one, to their kids and grandkids, it, ma- it matters forever. These three men, it wasn't just what they did in that moment. The, the two men that did a good job, it affected the rest of their lives, right? They were held responsible for more and had more joy and more generous. And the one who stewarded poorly, it matters. What you do with your money matters. It is a spiritual issue and it matters forever. And I just want to say this, for, and I don't want to shame anybody, but if you manage your money unethically, because there's a lot of it out there, it's like little white lies, right? I'm just going to say this on my taxes. I'm just going to categorize this differently in QuickBooks. Like, I've seen it all. I'm just going to take this when I know I shouldn't. Like, in, it, I know it won't feel like it in the moment, but if God doesn't want you to have that money, you don't want it either, believe me it will come back to bite you. It always reveals itself. We need to be people that are ethically managing our money because it matters forever. It matters continuously. We need to have character when we do that. So when we manage what we have really well, all our resources, all of it, our bank accounts, our car, our, ho- our home, just everything. We say, God, it's yours. My house is yours. How do you want me to use it? My car is yours. How, how do you want me to use that? Who can I give a ride to? My money is yours. I'm going to manage it well. And then leftover, let's see where I can invest, right, in the things that matter, the things of you. And he'll give you a heart that will, that will really care about the things of God. It begins in how we think. It begins in, in what we believe about money. And that does determine and dictate how we behave with money. Earlier on in the book of Matthew, in chapter 6, Jesus has these words as well. I'll just read it for you. So important. And this sounds familiar to a lot of you. Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and they steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, this is the key, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. 
What do you treasure? And where do you treasure it? You heard a few weeks ago, our friend Vernon Brewer from World Help. I just love that so convicting story he gave of the couple from the Reader's Digest who retired early and settled in Florida on the beach. And and they spent their retirement in a dream, the American dream, of playing softball and having fun and collecting shells. Nothing. Like, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for how God would use us to love and change the world? What does that mean for you? We can waste our lives. We can absolutely waste our money. But what if we give it all to him? What if we just say, it is all yours? What would you do with this? Everything. So just in closing, I just want to say, because I know that a lot of you, maybe you're online or maybe you're here, that you're hurting financially. And I do know that that affects you spiritually. I do know that affects your faith. And you're like, God, I've prayed for this and you haven't given me that. Or I've prayed for this to change and I, that hasn't changed yet. So what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to do? Like, come on, I need something. That may be you. You need to hear that God cares about where you're at. He cares about your stress. He cares about your financial worry. He cares about your financial future. But maybe he needs to change you before he changes it. Right? Maybe he needs to change your heart before he changes your circumstance. And then for those of us who are experiencing prosperity, and you're like, that's not me. It's 90% of this room. We live in San Diego. Most of us are experiencing prosperity, whether we view that or not. Give thanks to God. I mean, God is so good. Let's work hard and give it to him. Give our lives away. Give our bank accounts to him. What would you do with it? Because one day you're going to come face to face with your creator and I just hope and pray that the only thing we have, I don't, I don't want it to be shells from the beach. I don't want it to be the American dream retirement plan. I want to live sold out for my faith in Jesus and say, God, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. I want that for you. I want that for us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray, God, for everyone in this room to really contemplate what it means to give ourselves to you. And I would just leave you with this question, whether you're online or here, here's a question for you to answer in the privacy of your own heart. Are you willing to give your heart to God? Not some of it, not pieces of it, not parts of it, but all of it, all of it whether it's our preconceived opinions and perspectives and, and things we think about church and Christians get in the way of our relationship with God sometimes, whether it's our bank accounts or you know, whatever it is, are we willing to say, okay, God, what would you have me do with my entire heart, my entire being? Give me a generous heart. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, I just want you to know that he just looks at you and loves you. And he wants to say, come to me. I can, it's only me that can fill that void, not money. It's only me that can meet the needs of safety and security and your loneliness and depression and your trauma. 
Everything else is a band-aid. So if that's you, I would just encourage you to place your faith in the only one that can fulfill your life, Jesus Christ. God sent him to pay for your sin and my sin, and you just need to believe and say, my life is yours. I give you my life. I believe in you. I receive you, Jesus. I repent. Pray that prayer. Heavenly Father, for the rest of us, God, I just pray that this would be a season where we would look at the areas of our lives and our hearts that we kind of keep you out of. And if money is that issue, God, I pray that we would just open the door. Maybe it's a crack. Maybe we just kick it wide open, whatever that means. And God, we just say it's yours. Here I am. Here I am. Emotionally naked, financially naked. In every way, I just, I'm vulnerable to you, God. I give it to you. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. In your name we pray. Amen.